This is Hard Rock Saves the Space Dandy, a retro science fiction podcast focused on Asian multimedia from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. I'm your host, Dave, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 3. We'll be finishing up uh, our look at Kawaji Yoshiaki this episode with the film Demon City Shinjuku. While Kawajiri's OVA was released in 1988, it's based on a novel by Hiyuki Kikuchi uh, from 1982. By and large, it's a faithful adaptation of the novel. Uh, However, there are a few key differences, and we'll take a look at those as we move along through the plot of the uh, OVA. As before, I'll try not to go scene by scene through the film. Um, There's a little bit more in the novel that occurs, which is either presented in a different way or using different characters uh, to cover the same actions. And um, we'll take a look, I think, at a few of those contrasts over the similarities between the two. At least that's my intent anyway. Um, We'll see how that actually turns out as the episode progresses. So the first order of business is we'll, we'll do a small overview of the plot and then a little breakdown of the characters uh, as they appear between the film and the novel. So we'll begin with the plot. A young man is sent into the titular Demon City Shinjuku to take on the source of evil that has threatened the world government president. Uh, And this is all in a bid to save the president's life who is laboring under a curse. Um, that's the long and short of it, really. And the brief plot, it's, it's suitable, um, for the film's shorter runtime. It, it's only about 80 minutes long. Now, this is, a, as I mentioned, an adaptation of a light novel. And the novel gives a little bit more room and space for not only characterization on, on part of, um, the cast members, um, but also in motivations and in kind of world building. Um, the, the film itself makes a character uh, out of Shinjuku, and that's pretty much the extent we see um, of this far-off future of 2030. Um, at least I believe that's when the, the film is set. I know the, the novel is set in 2030. And I guess another point that I should probably um, bring up <laughs> at this early stage uh, in the show, um, the, the movie itself would, I'd be probably a little bit hard-pressed to classify this as uh, science fiction. It's more of a supernatural um, in an ur- urban fantasy, I guess, is the, the genre that we're dealing with um, these days. It wouldn't have been called that maybe back then when, when it came out. But the novel, the novel, in comparison, is very um, steeped in futurism, uh, use of technology versus the occult. Um, it has that running through it, and I, I had been at least passingly familiar um, with the novel, not before I saw the film, but at least prior to, um, uh, or I guess coming up with the um, idea for this episode. So rest assured, uh, Demon City Shinjuku in one or some of its forms um, is a science fiction tale and one that has a little bit of magic thrown in. With that out of the way, we'll, uh, we'll take a look at our cast of characters. First up, we have Chuya Izayoi. This is our, our protagonist in both the film and the OVA, and he is a young high school lad of dubious moral character. Uh, he has a, a penchant for maybe unwanted advances and flirting um, with women, or young girls in this case, I guess, um, other teenagers, you know, and women. Um, it's not like, it's not a good look, really, for him. Um, I understand what the author was doing um, initially, and it, I don't know, maybe just doesn't age too well. Uh, there's one of the key differences with his character, or it's not really a complete difference, but um, his character between 
the novel and the um, OVA is toned down um, in in at least that aspect. Or, well, no, he's toned down in pretty much all aspects. He's far more competent, uh, empowered, I guess, um, in his written form uh, versus his on-screen depiction. Then we have uh, Genichiro Izayoi. This is um, Kyoya's father. Both father and son are uh, masters of Shorinji Kempo and the mystical art of Nenpo. The, the father um, studied under another character, which I'll just introduce now, um, and that is Agnirai, who is a yogi and an esper of incredible power in the words of the novel. Genichiro studied under um, Master Rai alongside his um, fellow student, Rebira, who it turns out is the big bad guy of both the novel and the film. Um, they were students together in both instances. Uh, however, their, their later, I guess, relationship is a little, a little different in the film they're shown as being like directly and competitive and the the movie itself opens up with a battle the last battle between uh, Rebira and Genichiro that's a sword fight on a um the top of a skyscraper uh it's a, as an a, as a opening action piece goes it's um pretty enticing uh, I, I believe some of this is used in the trailer uh and also in the film um Johnny Mnemonic there's a it's playing on the background of a TV I believe mm. Agni Rai uh, in addition to being their um, their teacher in the uh, occult arts is also the instructor of the world president uh, Kozumi Rama here this is probably the largest divergence um, between the two depictions um, of, of this story. In the film, uh, Kozumi Rama is he's still the president of the World Federation, but n there's no mention of him being a person of more than great moral fiber. Um, he's, he's able to sort of end most of the conflicts um, in the world, so that's that's quite notable. Um, however, in the uh, in the novel, he is a representative, or is it really a representative? Um, he is from the lunar colony and has been taught from a young age um, across the, uh, the gulf of space um, telepathically by uh, Agni Rai. And that that's a little bit more, I guess, notable on on both on part of uh, Kozumirama and um, to, as a testament to um, the Master Rai's powers. President Rama in the in the book, um, he is heralded um, as something of a sage and a, a saint, and. This is his first, uh, I believe it's his first visit to the Earth um, in, in person uh, when, when the novel's taking place. Uh, or I think it discusses a little bit that he's, he's done um, peace negotiations in, in New York uh, between two warring factions, um, global warring factions, that is. And... He has a, a daughter, um, Sayaka Rama, who is the co-protagonist of both the novel and the film. Um, the, the film definitely portrays um, Sayaka as unworldly, um, innocent, and unfamiliar with the dangers that a, a city at large could represent, um, let alone somewhere as nefarious as a demon city um however the book makes that a little bit more um explicit 
in that she's this is her first time to Earth, so she's only grown up in a terraformed space colony. <laughs> it doesn't uh, go into explaining it, um, it, not in the first novel anyway. But her naivety is written into her character in that she's she's not familiar with like much of anything outside of her own much smaller like worldview um basically just makes her not streetwise uh, whereas our our main character Kilya is more so um he he grew you know he's he's been kind of rough and tumble he's um, in the novel depicted as uh outwardly like a student delinquent but um his his fighting prowess and his academics, I think, are still um, all quite solid. He fills in as a um, competitor uh, for school sports teams um, on a national on the national level uh, in both kendo and in I believe it's judo. And I think the, the book talks about a few other clubs that he just kind of pitch hits for. The film really doesn't get into that. Um, it it also really doesn't show um, his fighting prowess as a as a kind of a full character trait. He's capable, but it's not superhumanly so. Uh, or or if it is, it's attributed to um, this this study of Nempo um, and he's also bolstered uh, in the book and in the film uh, by his, his father's power and that power is not only uh, inherited it's also um, it was directly taught to him and then here's a, a, the, the key difference between the, the film and the novel uh, in the movie, as I mentioned, we had uh, the, the showdown um, between Genichiro and Rebira um, on, the, you know, on the building in, in Shinjuku. This is that, that was occurring 10 years prior to the, the present day of the, the story. And in the book, uh, that, ne- that doesn't ever happen. Um, in fact, as they, I think, the, the book states that, that they had to been... Um, students under uh, Master Rai and then had parted ways uh, at that point due to um, differences in personal philosophy and what each of them was trying to achieve through um, studying under the um, yoga master. Uh, Genichiro at that point had had known um, because of the differences of course that uh, Rebura had taken a dark, uh, turned down a dark path, and Genichiro, um, in order to stop that, um, foresaw that um, Rebura was going to be causing some trouble in the future, and so feeling that maybe his power wasn't enough, he began to seclude himself in the mountains and train. At that point, um, I believe the son was already born because he would be more than 10 years old. So uh, he began to train his son uh, in both the Shonenji Kempo and uh, the art of Nenpo. But the, I guess the part where it diverges is um, it's during that training with his son that um, Genichiro passes away. I don't recall if it was sick or what specifically um, killed him, but it was it was natural causes. It wasn't a um, showdown sword fight with the Rebura. Um, that kind of changes the um, uh, not only Genichiro's character, but it also dictates how um, Kyoya is moving through Shinjuku and then his views on when he's encountering um, Rebira and in turn uh, how Rebira is treating Kyoya in um, the novel and in the film.
and a large part of that has to do with the power um, directly bequeathed to uh, Kyoya from his father. Not only um, did Genichiro pass on skills, but he also passed on a power, uh, a reservoir of his um, Nen. And that is in the form of the sword Asura. Uh, it's, a, it's a wooden sword carved from the branch of an evergreen oak on Mount Kudurokuta, which we know makes the sword uh, even more um, special because uh, this is Vulture Peak, where uh, the Buddha taught many of his sermons from. And so here, almost 20 minutes into the episode, all will issue a, a spoiler warning um, because if you haven't watched the film the the final battle um, between Kyoya and Rebira hinges on a sort of uh, deus ex machina um, that Kyoya falls into a sort of refuse um, heap and on the on the top of a this pile um, in a shaft of light is uh, his his father's sword um, Asura embedded in the stone where it had fallen um, after the, the the fateful duel ten years earlier between um, Ginichiro and Rebira this turns the tide of the fight uh, up until that point um, Kyoya wasn't faring as well um, in his own battle with Rebira because the entire time he's um traipsing about um, Shinjuku he's just armed he's armed with his own skills and a run-of-the-mill um wooden sword he, he happens upon Asura at this point and is able to in pretty much one move um bisect uh, Rebira and end the film uh well We'll come back to the moments preceding that um, shortly. But how this changes the the pacing and uh, the abilities that Kyoya is able to put on display. Um, in the novel, he, he's in possession of Asura um, the entire time, ever since his father um, passed away and had bequeathed the sword to um, Kyoya as a younger child. Or maybe as a young teen uh, he, he, he's 16 in both the uh the novel and the film but the the fact that he had grown up and been using um this nen infused um wooden sword the entire time it changes his ease and his experiences um in in progressing through um, the Demon City. And in particular, it highlights a, um, a point uh, that occurs probably about midway through the novel and in the final third, I guess, of the, um, of the film, is that uh, Rebira in the, in the novel um, specifically has his um, demonic servants um, go out uh, and, and steal the sword um, from Kyoya. And in the novel, we, we understand that that's because uh, Rebira and his demon, demonic cohorts all understand that um, a large portion of the power that Kyoya is wielding and is threatening them with is due to um, him, him him being in possession of the sword. Uh, in the film, the the demons hatch a plan to part Kyoya with his run-of-the-mill, just generic wooden sword, and it, I think, only makes sense in the context of having read the novel. You know what they were kind of trying to do in the film. I mean, he's being deprived of his weapon, so that's, that is a problem, but it's less so because it's, it's not the special magical uh, sword. It's, 
It's just there's just regular sword that you get. Arguably, get something else in lieu of it um, in, in the film uh, to to threaten uh, Rebura with. And I think in keeping with the film's um, brief runtime, uh, as we mentioned, it's less than an hour and a half long. They've um, they've had to kind of trim uh, some of the the fat and a flavor um, that occurs in the novel. Well, uh, this showcases itself in a few different ways, and um, curiously, what they've done is in the novel, uh, Sayaka, she's she's as uh, we mentioned, along for the ride um, of her own volition. In fact, she's the impetus of uh, Kyoya actually making the trip into Shinjuku to um, save the president's life. Uh, Kyoya while he may be of certain moral fiber, is m- more of a self-interested person. So unless something's directly benefiting him, he's uh, much less likely to um, undertake the task. Mm-hmm. And the, the, um, the motivation of a reward or something for saving the president or just saving the president because it's the right thing to do isn't really on his radar. Um, he's not interested in it it doesn't really affect him that he he that he sees directly um but uh he's as as we did mention um a a fellow that is interested in girls and that becomes the drive uh, for him to to make this venture is sort of to rescue um Sayaka because she takes it upon herself uh, to go confront Rebura um, pretty much on she doesn't have a plan she, she's just running in there to, to battle the guy that um, has her has cursed her father um, and, and is woefully unprepared um, aside from a uh, nifty uh, nuclear-powered laser ring um, that the, the novel, or I guess the novel specifically tells you that it's uh, like a little miniature reactor inside the ring. Um, the, the film just makes it a laser ring. Doesn't um, I guess it, it goes into a little bit of the specifications on it, but uh, it doesn't really matter. Um, so, in, in the novel, uh, well, and in the film, um, Sayaka is quickly um, captured by Rebura. It lasts all of ten minutes um, in in the Demon City, and um, in the novel, uh, she's cursed. Um, the, uh, the the powers of Rebura do not. Uh, I guess they're not limited to um, the necromantic surgeon. Uh, class that he is i guess but um uh, he also practices shadowmancy and he separates sayaka from her shadow and in the world of the demon city shinjuku uh, your shadow knows everything you know and wants the things that you want but um when separated from you uh, can be influenced um, by outside parties, and in this case, that outside party being the uh, self-serving Rebira. And because the uh, her shadow has been separated from her, I, I think that that opens um, Sayaka up to uh, suggestion and control of the shadow, which is being puppeted by somebody else, so it's, it's a little bit obscure. But um, it boils down to Sayaka unknowingly um, being sent uh, freely uh, to go steal uh, Asura specifically from um, Kyoya. In the film, it doesn't get into any of that. Uh, We do have the Shadowmancy it's just not like outwardly explained. Uh, you're just 
the viewer is um, granted some um, measure of uh, competence, I guess. Um, and we're, we're informed uh, via events that happened that were shown um, and not told specifically about the Shadow Prince, which is good, good for the film. It works. Um, but one of the demons uh, under control of Rebira um, takes control or shadow forms a clone of um, uh, a character that only appears in the film. Uh, this is Chibi and is a uh, Shinjuku resident of Streetwise um, kind of Info information broker, little punk. Uh, he rolls around on um, electronic rollerblades, um, or not rollerblades, roller skates, with like funky heelys. Uh, and that that clone is um, who ultimately steals the wooden sword from uh, Kyoya. I guess now since I've brought them up, we'll. Uh, We'll take a look at the demons um, in, and their differences in between the, the film and the, uh, the book. So in the film, we're only shown two, uh, two demons of Demon City Shinjuku. <laughs> or technically, I guess there's three. But um, the, the two main demons on display are an earth demon and a water demon. The Earth Demon uh, is encountered, I think, twice. Yeah, tw twice in the film. And he is a sort of human spider golem hybrid kind of uh, golem as in the construct, not golem from Lord of the Rings. But um, uh, he's, a, he's a large, large fellow with a, a gaping mouth um, where his abdomen um otherwise be few few meters I don't know he's tall four four meters in height something like that pretty big um, I guess the size of a tank a really small tank big giant spider monster um, and he is the earth demon um in the film, he's able to uh, move through really kind of anything that is um, touching the ground. It's sort of an arbitrary rule um, because that, that includes like maybe just the earth metal or earth earth material. He can move through concrete. He can move through um, iron. Uh, he moves through a, bits of a, a subway. Um, train tunnel, train tunnel, tunnel, subway tunnel train. He moves through a subway train. <laughs> That's what they're called, subway trains. Um, he moves through one of those, like through the like fuses into and out of the material. Um, it's it's a really interesting uh, ability, and one that comes off very well uh, in an animated form, uh, in, in particularly in this film. So he's he's not named, and I don't believe he's directly shown as connected to Ribby Rob, but I, I could be mistaken. I watched the film maybe a few weeks ago, <laughs> so it's not super fresh on my mind. Um, the novel I, I read a little bit more recently. And the, the other demon, uh, the water demon, um, is a little bit more interesting and is, uh, is given a slightly larger role in that he has a, a few voice lines um appearance wise is i don't want to say iconic but uh just as different um as the spider-man man spider rock monster um the the water demon looks like a cross between uh maybe a three-eyed crow and a an ape and a manta ray 
there's <laughs> a lot going on there in the character design. Um, but the water demon's powers, in addition to being able to clone um, people from their shadow, which I guess is what he was doing, uh, can manipulate water to a degree where it connects um, into the demon realm. Um, I'm, inferring, I'm inferring that from the novel uh, because the film doesn't tell you, it shows you uh, that even a mere um, puddle of water uh, can be far deeper and more um, threatening uh, than it would outwardly, otherwise outwardly appear. So those are basically the two depictions of these demons in, in the film. On the other hand, in the novel, there's not two, but three demons. Um, these are Kaki, Doki, and Suiki. Uh, the fire demon, earth demon, and water demon, um, respectively. And they are all uh, begrudging um, servants of uh, Rebi Ra. They're emissaries from the demon world and are, are serving him to benefit themselves and further their own powers. Um, they are not specifically beholden to him past um, maybe the, the, their terms of service. They, they're continually um, testing him against uh, their own power, basically hoping to catch him off guard and, and kill him um, just to kind of get him out of the way um, if they can. But uh, he's, he's usually... Um, Rebi Ra, uh, on, on, on that note, is usually up on his game and uh, is prepared for any um, attack they may uh, surreptitiously um, engage in. The, the demons um, are less ornate uh, in, in the novel. They are all referred to generally as um, sort of uh, men... Um, nondescript men in um, monks' um, clothing with, with, believe they have hoods on. So, and that aspect, it's a little bit boring, I guess. But they all have demon forms that they show uh, if they're challenged, um, if, if the event is, um, I guess, exceeding the the power they're they're kind of holding in these sort of mortal forms. Um, they're able to uh, break loose and um, showcase their true uh, demonic form, which are, I think, a little bit more s similar to um, how they're depicted in the film, uh, by and large, anyway. Um, the, uh, the, the first demon um, introduced is uh, Doki, the Earth Demon, and they all have... Uh, I only wrote down one of them, but um, they all have uh, sort of um, signature attacks. And Doki's is the mystical mud inferno, wherein he encases a um, potential victim um, in a, a cloud of dirt um, and dust that congeals, hardens, and crushes them uh, as if they were in the center of the earth. Uh, compressing them and then um, superheating the body until they're reduced to their component um, atoms, I guess is what the, <laughs> is what the book um, says. And uh, both uh, Kaki the Fire Demon and Suiki um, have, have respective uh, cool-sounding attack names um, that also do horrible things to people. I believe um, Kaki uh, immolates people from the inside out um, and Suiki has uh, dominion over the demonic world um, oceans, like he just connected a body of water to the, its demon realm equivalent, and that body of water is um, filled with uh, demonic sea life, um, which would just eat you. Um, <laughs> I don't think it ever happened specifically to anyone, but it's a, it's a threat that uh, 
Kilia faces, um, and a few other people that are just dumped into puddles um, are just killed instantly. Um, so there's that. Uh, in order of death, since all these um, demons do not survive their uh, respective encounters with uh, our heroes, uh, Doki is killed first. He's bisected with uh, Asura and rendered unable to, um, the, I guess the damage is so great that it doesn't allow him to regenerate. Um, Kaki is killed by a torrential spout of water um, that Kyoya summons from all like the water present in the environment and um, funnels into a, like a sort of in-air whirlpool whip thing that just obliterates um, Kaki's fire. And uh, Suiki um, is not killed by Kyoya. He's actually killed by um, Sayaka, who uh, is provided a psychic wave gun, which channels um, the, I think, ambient and her own personal... Um, chi uh, into a, a anti-demon wave and uh, destabilizes him that way. Um, well, we'll continue on with the demons shortly because they make a few other appearances uh, from their initial appearance to their death. Uh, they're kind of throughout the novel. Um, the, the character that provides Sayaka with this psychic wave gun is um, none, other than, none other than our boy Mephisto. He is a a surgeon um, of unknown origins, and uh, I don't know. I guess he's the prototype for um, the androgynous look um, of uh, Vampire Hunter D, um, which is, uh, of course, also by the same author. And uh, Mephisto uh, not only um, appears here, but... Uh, also in his own um, series, uh, Makaishi Mephisto, um, Demon Doctor Mephisto. Um, it's the, or technically that's the last book in the Demon City Shinjuku series, um, but he has a spinoff in um, Demon City Blues, uh, which has a few um, novels in its own right. I guess it's split into 12 uh, larger chapters and then uh, an arc, The Legend of the, Deep, the Devil King and Demon Princess. Uh, in, in, in the film, um, Mephisto kind of serves the same purpose in the novel, um, actually. He's, he's a side character that is potentially equal to or surpassing, you know, it's kind of thing he's surpassing the strength of um, Kyoya. Uh, and he steps in, um, ostensibly he's a, an observer in his own words, um, an impartial observer of these events, and he, he just takes care of the collateral damage um, that's being caused by Rebira, um, or I guess anyone that's really interfering in... Um, the uh, the status quo in, in Shinjuku. Um, he he does act as a surgeon. He helps, um, like I said, bystanders, but uh, he intervenes. I think twice in the film um, on Kyoya's behalf, and in the novel, he provides uh, Kyoya with a shape changing um, bag. That a lot that Kyoya can wear over his head to assume the form um, of another person, uh, which he does to um, some effect in, in the novel. And then, um, as I mentioned, he he provides that uh, um, psychic wave gun to um, Sayaka, so he doesn't overtly challenge the demons or Rebura, um, but he kind of acts to check. Uh, to, to make sure that whatever they're doing isn't unduly harmful to the already ridiculous um, environment of Shinjuku. 
uh, I'm, I haven't read the um, the Demon City Blues series, so uh, I don't know how much more um, of a hand he has in what's going on. And I would also, uh, I know he appears in um, the sequel to Demon City Shinjuku novel, um, Demon Palace Babylon, and probably in the other ones, and I'm imagining um, forms a uh, large portion of the focus on the seventh novel, Demon Doctor Mephisto. But uh, he's, uh, aesthetically, he's a cool, cool-looking guy. Um, as I said, he has that sort of long black hair, pale skin. Um, it looks a lot like um, D from Vampire Hunter D. It sort of acts a bit like him, sort of standoffish, stoic, just kind of doing his own thing. Um, he does have a one sort of fight scene with the third demon that does appear in the in the film. It's a, a woman that um, has hydrochloric acid for blood and is elastic, which is kind of bendy. Um, and she has a she, um, definitely uh, an 80s haircut going on there. Um, but uh, yeah, aside from this few moments, Mephisto is really just kind of in the background. Um, he shows up uh, when the, the stakes are high and kind of just cheers on the protagonist. Sort of. I don't... I mean, he has a, a stake in things just because maybe he doesn't want his own business to be interfered with. Um, it it doesn't get into that in the in either really the novel or the or the film, unfortunately, because I think he was more of an interesting character than um, than our, our boy Kyoya. I think even Sayaka um, was a little bit more interesting, at least in the novel. Um, and it, it was good that she had her own own few moments um, where she she acts as a um, I don't say a miniature version of her father that's um, sort of dismissive uh, she has that innate ability to calm down um, conflict and this uh, also can incite conflict because some of the um, denizens of Shinjuku are less than um, thrilled at her sort of innocent appearance um, in relation to their own uh, outward appearance. Um, but she's she's calmed down a few incidences that could have otherwise gotten far more out of hand. Um, there's a, a gang war that happens uh, toward the end of the, the novel, and she intercedes... Um, Funnily enough, she's also the cause of the, um, the, the, the gang violence, but isn't aware of that because her uh, naivety is in full swing at that point. Um, uh, this is that, that scene in particular is one where um, the, the, the writer, um, Hideyuki Kikuchi, uh, the issues that I had with Wicked City um, appear here and are more of in. No, they were they were worse in Wicked City, um, I think. But uh, he sort of treats women as set pieces, and uh, in, in in particular in this one, uh, given um, Sayaka's character's age. Um, there are scenes of nudity that are made worse uh, because of the character's age. And that part, I think, uh, isn't... Um, it, it's not lingered on, but it still pushes made the boundaries of taste. It didn't really need to, didn't need to happen. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the battle, I guess, between the gangs... Um, all boils down to one of the, uh, so I should slightly back up, the, the gang member that, or gang leader um, that begins this battle is um, a 
larger woman and is the head of a one of the, the gang of espers that um, control um, Shinjuku. And the the other gang, or I guess controls half of Shinjuku, the other gang controls a larger um, or a large enough portion uh, to be a threat. And that gang is full of thin espers, so her gang is full of heavyset espers. And there's a there's a point that um, I think it's Kiyoya raises where he wonders why one side of the gang is like all chunky and the other one or all the other gangs are all thin and um it uh it's explained to him that um uh like sticks to like or that the gang member the gang leaders um purposely chose um those body types because they're comfortable with them to work in their gang um that's uh, uh it's interesting i mean it feels um sort of like the gang um, archetypes in um, in Warhammer uh, Necromunda um, specifically but um, it's interesting and I can see why it wasn't included in the film um, it, it takes up a considerable portion of uh, at least a chapter maybe two in the book but um, moreover budget-wise, and a couple of the other effects and, and things that happened in the story I think would have been um, harder or more time-consuming um, to animate and also uh, didn't add directly to the main plot of the story. Um, these are sort of character-building moments specifically for um, Sayaka and kind of showing uh, her, her personal ability and her personality and the things that make her the daughter, um, or at least of the same family, um, as the, the world president. Now, what I really kind of wanted to talk about um, in reference to this gang battle is the, the presence of these psychic powers and how it forms the uh, sort of a, a portion of the nucleus of what is... Um, Demon City Shinjuku. We've gone nearly an hour into the episode, and I didn't explain what or how um, Demon City Shinjuku came to be. Uh, the The impetus of it, uh, or I guess its its uh, origin, is ten years uh, previously when um, Rebira uh, and uh, Ginichiro. Um, clash top that building um, what was happening was Genichiro was attempting to stop um, Rebira from summoning some great power uh, some entity from the uh, the demon realm into uh, our world and he was using Shinjuku as the, the locus for that um, summoning and had performed or, or, or rather uh, Shinjuku was being offered up as a sacrifice because a certain amount of uh, soul energy um, so that human lives uh, were, were needed to um, act as an exchange for, for the uh, crossover of that uh, demonic power and that's, that's how it originated in um, the film uh, as Kinichiro was slain by Rebira uh he I think he weakens Rebira or at least interrupts the um, uh, ritual enough that it doesn't fully succeed. Uh, what it does cause is a localized, a strictly localized uh, earthquake um, called the uh, Great um, Shinjuku Earthquake uh, or the Devil Quake um, as it was uh locally and internationally known um, sometime after uh, after the events happened. The quake destabilized Shinjuku as a, as a commercial and economic region. Um, it split the, uh, the boundaries of the, the quake, I guess, split it off from the, um, the rest of the uh, urban municipalities and kind of divorced 
governmental control and oversight uh, over the area uh, because of the sacrifices and the quake rather than the large demon um, or power, whatever it is, um, appearing in Shinjuku, uh, it did weaken the barrier between the realms and allow the demons um, and other supernatural entities to uh, cross over. Uh, or it sort of act as, acted as a beacon um, attracting uh, supernatural um, entities and uh, that kind of thing um, to, to the area further destabilizing it but uh, ultimately what it also did was it uh, because it became a lawless zone um, it attracts also criminal element and people that felt that they did not fit in um, to general society uh, were able to um, live in or kind of secure themselves a living uh, in Shinjuku uh, and this this uh, isn't readily ab- uh, apparent in the film. In the film, it's uh, we see a little bit of, of the idea that it's a lawless zone. There are some hoodlums kind of running around. There's a few people that we see. Um, a lot of this is attributed to the time of day. I think that uh, Kyoya um, and Sayaka are traveling through the. the Shinjuku, it's generally at nighttime, and a lot of the, the people um, that still live there or try to or trying to eke out a living don't um, go out at night. That's when the demons are more active. Um, I don't, it doesn't. I don't think it overtly says that in the film. Uh, it does specifically call that out in the uh, in the novel. Um, also in the novel, uh, the the there is a general populace that did remain or at least move to Shinjuku. Uh, it's it's still f- fairly heavily populated. It's an urban area. Um, it's not a wasteland. There are hundreds, if not more, um, people still living there or have um, migrated to there. Uh, aside from the espers that have um, they've fled there because their powers were greater than uh, the government like wanted for the general acceptance of um, people with telekinetic and psychokinetic and other strange powers to have. Um, they, they fled there to escape that oversight. And we also get um, the presence of uh, cyborgs, of androids, of um, space cyborgs, which is cool. Uh, they're reminiscent of replicants um, from Blade Runner. Um, basically, there's wars going on in space that it just alludes to, and these um, cyborgs were, you know, humans outfitted to battle uh, better in um, the zero gravity or other environments, the, the hostile environments um, outside of Earth. And uh, they they became unfit for general society once they returned from the war and put themselves into exile, uh, I guess, rather than being um, hunted down or used specifically by the government in, like, bodyguard duty or mercenaries. I don't really just want that lifestyle. So just to kind of live their own life, they've um, moved to Shinjuku where their power is, uh, is their own to, to control the, the book goes through great pains to invest um, Shinjuku with like a living, breathing uh, populace. Uh, but at the same time, still acknowledging that like things are bad there and it's, it's by choice for the most part that people are living there. Um, some people may have just had all their belongings, everything was destroyed, and they had nowhere else to go, so they just kind of stayed on because maybe they had no money to uh, move outside of Shinjuku. It, it doesn't really get into the economics of the situation, but we have an idea, at least, of, of what's going on with the, with the city, and that informs um, how 
Sayaka and um, Kyoya are are moving through the city and where they're staying and the people that they interact with because there's a lot more of that in the in the novel than appears in the film. They see all of like maybe have a conversation with two or three people. Um, it, it's very limited and it keeps the the pace of the film moving very quickly. Um, as they're not really stopping to do dialogue, it's 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 always in motion. There's maybe short moments of quiet and then action um, that kind of you know characterizes this 80 minute um, OVA film. Um, the novel, however, has multiple chapters. It's dealing with uh, not only um, Kyoya and Sayaka's relationship to each other, but also to the the, the populace of um, Shinjuku and how Sayaka is uh, um, empathetic toward well, the goings on there, uh, whereas Kyoya could generally kind of care less. He's just there to make sure uh, that Riviera is stopped um, at that point anyway, and that Sayaka is no harm, no extra harm befalls her. I mean, he continually tries to get her escorted out of um, Shinjuku, uh, where that's less of an option in the in the film. Um, I don't. I think there wasn't really much more uh, that I think differed completely between the t the two um, the two pieces of media. Uh, other than uh, we have the technology and the science angle uh, leaned fairly heavily on in the um, in the novel, as I as I mentioned, that's much less apparent. You wouldn't you could be mistaken that it wasn't set in the future of twenty thirty um, in in the movie. Um, in the book, however, uh, we also get a. A, a better showing of Rebira and what he is all about and, and his character is it's still pretty one-dimensional but it's a, it's a little bit more effective um, in the novel in the film he we see him maybe in three parts he's kind of in the beginning with the sword fight in the in the the middle of the film, he's just a far away thought. And then in the end, uh, uh, as I said, his the final battle between um, Rebura and Ikoya is very anticlimactic. It's like a one hit kill and Ikoya just cuts him in half and the movie literally just stops. In the book, because it's longer and has more time to kind of dwell on these things, Ikoya and Rebura encounter each other uh, at least twice, and um, like in the film, uh, Kyoya, because he's armed with Asura um, from the start, uh, mortally wounds Rebura. Uh, but then, because of circumstances, that has to make his escape. All right, so Rebura really runs away too, uh, and is he's defeated at that point. Um, he he cannot continue on as he is. He knows he's going to die. Um, but because of technology and because this book deals with the melding of um, science and mysticism like heavily, Rebura uh, transfers his spirit energy, his soul, into a um, cyborg body and becomes a necromantic robot skeleton and it's pretty cool uh, um, I'm not, not gonna lie he he, uh, he becomes at that point um, more than he was as a flesh and blood man and you kind of wonder why he just didn't do that to himself sooner um, he was effectively immortal at that point um, Kyoya does uh, succeed of course in, in defeating him but uh, it's a more drawn-out affair, and he has to move through the mini-bosses of the, um, the three demons, Kaki, Doki, and Suiki, before he can ultimately have his final showdown with uh, Rebira. And 
unfortunately, the book, like the movie, kind of just ends at that point. What we do get is a, a an epilogue, and we also um, know that there are uh, you know multiple seven other <laughs> books that uh, deal with these characters. Um, mostly just kill ya. Uh, I've read the uh, the second book, Demon Palace Babylon, um, and uh, that deals with uh, Nebuchadnezzar and the um, space uh, kind of fortress. Um, some of the stuff that we kind of see in um, Cyber City Oedo, uh, at least in the third um, OBA, are reminiscent of um, Demon um, Demon Palace Babylon, but uh, we won't be looking at that one here. Um, we'll finish up with the Demon City Shinjuku. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I think that's kind of it. I don't really have anything else that uh, I think needed to be covered. Um, oh, there was one bit that I did want to mention um, early on in the film. There is a scene. Uh, we get a little training montage uh, with Kyoya. And he um, uses his Nenpo to uh, levitate uh, a few um, aluminum cans, like empty soda cans. And he he's in, he's in a, a training um, hakama and just cuts them in half with his uh, he like bisects all the cans with his um, wooden sword. And we know then then that he's a badass. In the in the book. Uh, it's not cans that he's training with. He's just kind of, uh, the scene is the same, but he's in his room, and he has a an African voodoo doll. And the, there's a little doll that has a, a bow um, in one hand and a, an arrow that's lodged in its chest. Kyoya takes the arrow out of its chest, puts it in its empty hand, and the doll um, comes to life, like malevolently cackling, and floating in the air, and the doll it said is a um, attractor of negative, like psychic energy or um, malevolent entities, and it um, it summons a uh, poltergeist uh, into the room, which hangs out on Kyoya's bed. It's a little weird, but um, uh, Kyoya kind of takes his ready stance and the, uh, the the poltergeist attacks him from behind while the noodle uh, fires the arrow at him and the, the arrow is it's a small doll so it says the arrow is a, maybe a two three inches but as it flies through the air it becomes like a yard in length turns into like an actual arrow um, and he it deflects the arrow and, and cuts down the poltergeist and that's his training um, montage. So it, while leaning heavily on the technological side of things and the benefits that that has and potentially stronger than magic um, effect, uh, we see that Rebura uses, you know, this technology to um, enhance himself beyond what his, you know, frail mortal form uh, could, uh, could do. Um, Kyoya doesn't generally make use of like any extra technology. He's using his own martial skill um, uh, and the energy of the the Nen. Um, so while it's framing technology as the force of war and the thing that the bad guy <laughs> is using to kind of dominate um it's it's never really framing um these advances in a positive light um they're always in in use of in, in use for destruction of something else um i think that that's important and it doesn't translate into the film the film does the opposite and is kind of like showcasing these magical powers as the, the general problem. Um, I wish I had like a thesis to, <laughs> to kind of tie that a little bit more together, but uh, it's 
it's a little bit of a point that I did want to make that uh, the the novel is at its core it's science fiction um, that the film much less so and um, I wish they had brought some of that into the film um, but I think it just would not have it would have needed to be longer um, or as with uh, Cyber City, um, maybe a multiple part uh, OVA instead of just a single um, 80 minute film. And um, maybe one last thing that, that didn't make the transition from novel to film, the, um, the powers that uh, the demon uh, Suiki exhibited in the book, uh, he, he can turn anything into um, water whole structures he he converts an entire hotel into a sort of weird wobbly jellyfish building um that was probably beyond the the budgetary constraints i think of an of the short film that they they event they ended up with and um it's a shame because it was a um a very visual piece um in, in the novel that's uh I think that wraps us up um, for this episode. Uh, we'll be back with season with the start of season three next time. And, um, well, I don't have a specific plan for that, so it will be a surprise as to uh, what it contains. Uh, however, I will say that uh, we may be changing format a little bit um, for the next season, and instead of focusing on a particular uh, director's work, I might do a, a genre study um, and kind of break down to uh, either a different genre or taking um, works in a series um, and, and looking at them instead uh, that way. Uh, but for now, uh, that is us signing off, and this has been Hard Rock Saves a Space Dandy. We'll see you next time.